Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast. Hello, ciao, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa, mihao, marhaben, namaste, and shalom. Welcome to another exciting episode of Export Stories 2022. I'm your host, Betsy Olam. I was thinking, given the supply chain challenges in which we continue to find ourselves, wouldn't it be nice to speak with some with lots of all-around experience? Well, my friend, Penny Register Shaw, has held executive positions at FedEx, Amazon, and Walmart for many, many years. She's here to talk about all this experience and share some of her stories, and I'm delighted that she agreed to be our guest today. But first, a word from our sponsor. But first of all, we are all about storytelling here, and there is another story I want to tell you about. It's the story about how one company can help you solve your commercial real estate needs, whether in town, across the nation, or over the oceans. That company is Levy Commercial Realty, LLC. They provide strategic commercial real estate advisory and brokerage services. I'm talking about retail. I'm talking about restaurant, entertainment, and distribution. Levy's clients include local legends, regional brands, and Fortune 50 companies known around the world. You're going to want to join Levy's select group of clients. Their email is contact at levycommercial.com. That's Levy, L-E-V-Y, commercial.com, and I'll post it on our website. Now back to the show. So without further ado, hello, Penny. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Betsy. How are you? I'm good. Did you say Anio? No, I, uh, I had Italian, French, Spanish, Japanese, wait, konnichiwa, yeah, Japanese, Nihau, Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm saying Anio because I'm taking Korean. Cool. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Hello. Hello, people in Korea that are listening. (laughs) So anyway, you know, I think my introduction, it sounded like a word salad and it doesn't really do justice to your experience. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself by telling us something about your background that brings you us to this moment. Okay, well, um, I usually start my story with uh, having been appointed as the chairman of the Public Transit Authority in Rhode Island when I was about 29 years old. So I had... not know that about you. Yes, yes. Wow, okay. Well, it was a surprise to me and it was a surprise to the people of Rhode Island and judging (laughs) from the amount of uh, questions from the Senate confirmation hearing that I was in. It was a surprise to them as well. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I, I was 
uh, eventually confirmed in the position. And so for many years, um, I would go out to the bus company, uh, uh, the Public Transit Authority, which ran the ferries and light rail and buses in Rhode Island. And for maybe six to nine, I would be out there with the general manager and be talking about routing and ridership and stops and on-time performance. And that was all about moving people. Mm -hmm. And from there, it seemed like kind of a natural progression to moving goods. And uh, so I always pinpoint that as my start down the path in, uh, toward a career in transportation and logistics. Absolutely. Yeah, it counts. It counts. <laughs> it counts. Yeah, um, and and so um, I got a lot of great experience there on um, how to control fuel costs and um, you know what on time performance looked like. And um, from there, I I guess the next stop on the road was FedEx, where I was. Uh, uh, there for 20 years in lots and lots of different roles. Mm -hmm. um, I started there in uh, as the attorney supporting the um, procurement function, uh, mm -hmm. strategic sourcing for all of FedEx. So I, I did things as varied as help someone cater, get a catering service to feed the pilots on the planes to actually procuring the parts for the plane. And um, that was, that I, I really enjoyed that and moved yeah. into, yeah, yeah. Well, um, let me, can I ask a question? Sure. Um, okay, when you first started with FedEx, you know, what was it like? How big was the company back then? Yeah, when I first started, um, FedEx was very large, but had just, exited Europe around uh, the early to mid 90s, FedEx had tried to expand into Europe with offerings uh, around airlines. And because Europe is so compact, the value proposition that FedEx was offering was not as compelling in Europe. So it was contracting in a way out of Europe and trying to decide what its next international expansion would be. And obviously it was APAC. Um, so, uh, uh, and I supported the global operations. So I had um, people in Hong Kong, um, people in Beijing and um, not they weren't so much in uh, the Southern Pacific then, but they expanded over my time there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And Latin America was at the time flowers and perishable. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, not so large. Uh, right. Um, yeah, and there were some. What year would? What were those years in the beginning? Yeah, 96, 97. And then in 99, I took a role that reported directly to the CEO and COO uh, around strategy. 
reinventing FedEx. And that team of 12 multidisciplinary people uh, devised business plans and ideas that really led to, and I don't want to take too much credit for it because I think there were other people thinking about along the same lines, including yeah. the founder and chairman that, yeah. but, but expanded FedEx from a cargo airline into a freight forwarder, a freight company, a ground delivery company, um, in order to have a more complete portfolio of offerings. Gosh, that had to have been exciting to be involved in that the oh. strategic part. Oh my gosh, I bet you just love thinking about that. I just loved it. And, you know, it really was, uh, you know, now the numbers don't seem astronomical, but at the time the numbers seemed astronomical. And, and it was, you know, well, I think I can learn something by going to talk to this futurist in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Do I have the budget to just go chat with him for three hours? And basically they would say yes. And- um, She had to fly on a FedEx cargo plane to get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very cool. That's yeah. very cool. And yeah. it, it, you know, it's like ideas beget ideas. Mm -hmm. So once you got into the zone or the groove of thinking about a future state, um, you know, it just it it, it multiplied uh, very quickly. And, um, and I really see some of the ideas that, that we had um, 20 years ago, 25 years ago about where the world was going, becoming true uh, today. And um, FedEx is a very optimistic, can do, that's their DNA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I, I proposed a scenario where the world wasn't all bright and shiny and globalization wasn't necessarily welcomed by everyone. And I was just, oh man, I had to defend that with my life. I, uh, I, <laughs> uh, and you weren't, you were off on that. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, uh, yes. But I thought, let's, let's. You know, let's be like the three bears. Let's have a a, a hot, too hot, too cold, and just <laughs> right scenario. You know? Or face reality and still go forward, but understand there may be some, yeah. you know, opposition. You know, to change. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So, That's very cool. Yeah. Oh. But um, I did. Uh, I I love my time at FedEx. Uh, at the um, toward the end of it, I was in the international freight forwarding arena, mm -hmm. which is a very small part of yeah. the huge mothership. So we were into um, the ocean forwarding, the air forwarding, rail, yeah. surface transportation, and FedEx uh, marketing always called it deferred, which insulted <laughs> everyone in, you know. <laughs> now, the FedEx, um, as a freight forwarder, did they 
use other companies. I mean, they, it wasn't just you were going to put you on FedEx. They were, did, well, like you said, they did Ocean and and did they even do other uh, air carriers or or not? Absolutely, they did. In fact, um, sometimes it was harder to get space on a FedEx aircraft than it was than to go to um, someone else and buy belly space or uh, cargo space. And um, I, I never quite understood that, but, but I did because um, there were probably retail customers who could pay more than we could pay because we needed to put a margin on top of whatever we paid. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. But, but we had the, we had the data available to us that would show where the openings were and, you know, why not do kind of a standby agreement so if twice a week you have space from puerto rico into charlotte why not you know but speaking of data was front fedex on the front end of of uh the technology in in the business i mean they, they were yes and no i think fedex um has had two very uh, visionary CTOs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, three really. Jim Barksdale, early days, was uh, just an amazing uh, technician and understood what data could do mm-hmm. uh, for a company. Um, The current CTO, I believe, is still Rob Carter, who always knows what's coming. But because FedEx has done so many acquisitions over the years, there are a lot of legacy systems that don't talk to each other. And so you have to be willing to deprecate those sunk costs to design something really elegant going forward. So that's why I say yes and no. But also I'm a lawyer, so I almost always say yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I bet there isn't a large corporation who hasn't absorbed another company that, I mean, that's just a, that's a whole field of business is how to absorb and uh, and a grade and I try to keep employees but that's hard to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm gonna ask you a uh this is a goofy question has nothing to do with international trade but I'm curious uh because this is kind of about big companies when you first got to FedEx you're in the legal department um were you were you very visible in the beginning Um, I was very visible in the beginning because uh, the general counsel of FedEx uh, always demanded that the lawyers have a seat at the table. And, um, and, And regardless of your level, let's say you were a senior attorney, if an EVP was saying something that was wrong uh, or, um, you know, that needed adjusting, uh, your quality 
uh, and skill as an attorney was judged on whether you spoke up right then or in the hallway. And so it was, uh, and, and of course that's a little tense for anyone. Right. And also in a very Southern company because FedEx really has its roots in Arkansas and Tennessee. Right. And, and you, you Southerners say things like, well, you might ought to want to think about later. Yeah considering instead of hell no (laughs) i remember when i went to work for a company in new jersey and i thought i was being assertive but i wasn't uh i wasn't seen as being assertive because i was being trying to be polite and i had to kind of learn that a polite assertiveness with emphasis on assertiveness, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, and it's so difficult. When, when I did work in Rhode Island, um, I had been there about two months and my assistant came into my office and told me, you're wasting time. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, when you pick up the phone, you say, hello, my name is Penny Register. How may I help you? And you should say, hello, it's Penny. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I never and, got that. That was New York too. Yeah. 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 And I was, I was just appalled. Well, you did, know? You her, did you give her the line about you catch more flies with honey than whatever that that expression is and the I don't even know what the expression is anymore. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I don't know that I did try to talk her <laughs> out of that. I, yeah. I I was but you know, I absorbed her feedback and modified a little bit and That's tried it. to move at a little faster pace, but uh, yeah. it still was uh, it wasn't my natural setting. Exactly. No, I understand. The reason I, I asked that, because I, I would love for people listening who work for big companies and want to become more visible, you know, I just thought we could give them some advice. I work for International Paper, and, you know, my feeling or my advice is do your job very, very well, and people will notice and number two, develop a good relationship with the people you work with every day. I think that, that's my opinion. What, what would you say to that or add to that as far as, you know? Yeah, I, I would say those two things. Plus, I would add advice my mother gave me, which is dress for the level you want to be rather than uh, the level that you are, you know, look, uh, and I hate to make it about appearance, but, um, you know, it, there, there is something to first impressions. So walk into that room, like right. you just stepped out of, you know, uh, I don't know. Corporate boardroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this is the hardest one which is um, asking um, and and saying, I'm ready, I'd like 
a, a meatier assignment. I'd like more responsibility. And that is uh, the hardest step, in my, my opinion. It is. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what I hope people are listening to and hearing, because it is hard, and, but that's the way it works. And it really mm-hmm. does work. So, uh, yeah. So good. Thank you. Thanks for the tangent. <laughs> no problem. Me. I like tangents. I'm, I'm very adept at tangents. <laughs> <laughs> good. So um, what was your, your last position with FedEx? Was that the freight forwarding? Kind it of was. Um, and I also was president of a very small subsidiary of FedEx out in San Francisco. So I was one of the only lawyers, if not the only lawyer, who also had P&L responsibility for growing a business that is now called, I believe, FedEx Cross Border. But it was about providing uh, tools so that people who were importing and exporting knew the total landed cost. So they knew what the duties and taxes would be. They knew what the insurance would be, um, what kind of licensing they needed. And um, it was, uh, that was a very data intensive. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, you mean as a customer, you could just go on this website and get that information, input whatever and get the information? You could, but you could also speak to one of a hundred people who would help you make sure you had classified um, whatever it was correctly and um, help you refine your search. And you could do, you could buy, you know, 5,000 hits or you could buy one at a time or, um, but it was a very different kind of revenue model than anything I, I, you know, I hate to speak in absolutes because it, it was a huge company, so I don't know for sure, but, yeah. but um, I know when I would go over to corporate and try to justify our pricing and our, yeah. it seemed like nobody <laughs> had a frame <laughs> of reference for it. So it was a fee-based service? It was, or you could do a subscription or you could, um, oh. yeah. Yeah. And when I first took it over, you could actually buy printed books, but (laughs) (laughs) a book. Yeah. You've heard of those, right? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Wow. I love paper though. Uh, Maybe that's the lawyer in me, but uh, I still read books, real books. Um, Okay. So that's fascinating. So then you leapt or flew or moved on to Amazon, is that correct? I did, I did. I ended my career at FedEx at midnight on a Friday. And on eight o'clock on a Monday morning, I was in Seattle reporting for duty at at Amazon. And and it was, Yeah, I went from a company where I was considered relatively young (laughs) 
and uh, into a place where I was a geezer for sure. Oh, no. oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. that intimidating. Yeah, it was. Uh, standing in line to get your ID picture made with people who looked younger than your children. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but, and all had been to MIT and, you know, Stanford and uh, I have some great schools on my resume, but I was, I was a little, it was culture shock. It definitely was culture shock. And what, tell us about what the job was and, and what it was like. Yeah. Well, um, I thought I was going to Amazon to build an indirect air carrier, which is something that you know, we did at FedEx in the freight, air freight forwarding, we had the IAC um, licenses and, and that's what I thought I was going to be doing domestically at Amazon. Um, you mean like an NVOCC kind of yeah. thing? Okay, okay. But for air, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, and, um, about two weeks before I got there, I got a call and they said, um, you know, that job you thought you were going to do, well, we want you to do something else. And it was global director of last mile. So it, it was this um, conglomerate of functions around setting up uh, small to medium sized delivery service providers mm -hmm. in I guess it was about eight countries who would deliver on behalf of Amazon. And um, this is all outside, taking out place outside the US, no, it wasn't domestic at all what you were doing. Um, no, it was domestic, um, but the there was US, I think UK, they were the two that were the most established. And then while I was there, there was expansion into Germany, um, uh, Italy, Spain, uh, Brazil, Japan. Um, I think China had started when I was there. Um, and I'm probably forgetting something because at one day at Amazon is like, 10 days at any other company. Things move very fast. Wow. And, um, was yeah. that a bit of a culture shock for you or was it not really that hard to address? Not really, um, because when I left FedEx, I had uh, absorbed or been appointed uh, to handle jobs that had current uh, sorry, previously been handled by about 16 people. So I was very used to being very deliberate. Okay, today I am acting as the head of security. And here is the project that we are going to work on today. And, you know, tonight I'll be acting as, so I, I was pretty good at that. But what I didn't quite understand was I had program, product, and project responsibilities. So um, being responsible for 
taking a product and figuring out what the, the technological enhancements and the expansion plan for it to make it more heavily adopted was something that I, I would say wasn't in my wheelhouse. When you say a product, do you mean an Amazon offering or do you mean someone yeah. else's product at Amazon? You mean an, an, Amazon. an Amazon offering. And the one that I was product manager for was Prime Free Same Day. So okay. it was how to give Prime members uh, free same day delivery services in, you know, 20,000, 120,000 zip codes. And, um, and luckily, I, I, I had a really, really smart person who, who, and I, I always benefited from that. I, the people that reported to me were just brilliant. And um, I don't know if it makes money for Amazon, and you don't have to say, but I do find that to be one of the most amazing things they do. Oh, is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it doesn't seem to be a lot of competition yet. Is there competition? Well, it's so interesting that people are trying to compete on like 15 minute delivery. Um, there's a whole bunch of companies that got funded over the last two years who are taking uh, what Amazon does well in two and four hours and, and really trying to up the ante on a 15 minute delivery for a number of SKUs. And uh, I was on a panel, um, I guess it was back in January and, and I was the only one uh, and I often find myself in this position, but uh, it was saying <laughs> nobody needs anything in 15 minutes. Oh my God, I even... never expect four hours. That would knock me off my chair. I didn't, yeah. I guess I'm not that kind of prime member. I just get in 24 hours and I'm happy as a lark. Yeah, me too. And sometimes I even forget what the delivery promise was. You know, right. was I supposed to get that in two days or three days? Oh, wait, it's here. Uh, I don't keep track, but I will say one time in Seattle, I was walking my dogs and they ran into the woods and they came back to me without their harnesses on and I and they're 75 pounds each. And I was thinking, what the heck am I going to do oh to get God. these dogs back to the car? And I ordered on Amazon. I had a leash, a harness, <laughs> uh, uh, you know treats in my hand in 45 minutes okay that's cool yeah that's pretty cool yeah that I, was pretty cool i i i yeah <laughs> so is, is amazon or was amazon interested in owning the uh, last mile businesses or did they just want to contract with the last um, mile de uh, delivery services that probably uh, you know uh, I just although I was highly placed, I don't think I was highly placed to, enough to know oh, oh, okay. what the end game was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Dave yeah. Clark, who ran the organization and who has been in the news the last week um, because he's 
leaving Amazon after 23 years, um, wow. really knew what that strategy was. Mm -hmm. But but I think what Amazon definitely needed was additional sources of delivery capacity because of the volumes that they were producing could not, they couldn't just rely on uh, FedEx, UPS, the post office and get it all done. Right. So they had to cultivate uh, different ways of, of delivering. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so from there you went to Walmart, uh, but is there right now, there's nobody like Amazon right now, is there? I, I don't believe so. I mean, I have not gone into the kind of deep dive, which is one of the Amazon leadership principles, to know exactly what kind of volumes Alibaba is generating in, in Asia. But in the US, uh, Amazon is the dominant e-commerce player. And um, when I went to Walmart, and I, I should give just a quick shout out that I, I worked at a startup in Seattle in between Amazon and Walmart um, called Spruce Up. It, it, its technology still exists and it was a fabulous experience. Oh, cool. um, but um, Walmart really, was, when I joined, had acquired Jet.com and Jet.com and I'm, I'm going to get the number wrong, uh, but like 27, 57, 107, you know, uh, okay. something that ends with seven digital native brands. So Bonobos, Art.com, Shoes.com, uh -huh. all were part of Walmart's portfolio. Okay. And so the idea was to leverage the retail uh, experience, but expand more heavily into e-commerce. And, and um, again, uh, just from where I sat, it also seemed that there was a component of going from a rural consumer to a more urban consumer with the Jet brand. I see, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So that was a brand. It was. It like, yeah. I mean, they. What are the what are Walmart's brands? I mean. Uh, well, Walmart has Sam's Club right. um, under it, but it at the time um, had acquired Mod Cloth and. Um, a lot of e-commerce companies that were selling online and they put all of those companies under one um, chief supply chain officer to help them with inventory management and placement and fulfillment and 
transportation and last mile delivery and just uh, to really make that part of the business grow. And that's um, what you went to work for? Yes, yes. So I was in Seattle, San Bruno, and uh, Bentonville, the mothership. And you said you were in at the same time, or you just moved? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had cloned <laughs> myself. No, that's, those were my bases of operation. And uh, yeah. I've heard... Now, this is a, another aside, but I, I haven't been, I've been to Bentonville a few times to the, um, that beautiful art museum. Yeah, Crystal Bridges. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Which is just so cool. But I've heard just the area is just amazing. Modern, nice, you know, hotels and, and, and you know. Well, the Walmart uh, second and third generation are, are really um, investing and they have a very long-term plan for Northwest Arkansas. They want to make it, um, you know, a, a destination place for mountain biking. Um, the, the analogy that I often hear is to the veil of mountain biking. Um, oh. and, uh, they brought in some excellent, chefs and restaurants and um, and then they also want to bring electrification of vehicles to middle America so having a corridor of Chicago St. Louis Northwest Arkansas down the slicing down the middle of the country that that embraces sustainability oh my goodness yay for for the future that's good. yes i yes. like that that's that's really exciting um are, are the ozarks do they actually go through bentonville i can't remember they're a little aren't they a little east of bentonville or not really yeah well unfortunately uh i moved to uh that area four months before covid shut everything down so i won't i'm not i usually go into a new geography and explore everything but yeah. i haven't had that opportunity i understand well that was such an aside people are probably going to go what does that have to do with anything we're talking about but anyway it's it's a really fascinating story just the rise of bentonville and the area so yeah so yeah look into that at some point um well cool so um I, I probably interrupted what you were doing at walmart is there anything more you want to tell us about that well i i i do think that um walmart really had hoped to compete with with uh, amazon on the e-commerce side and and was working very hard to gather uh, to come up with the right strategy for doing that. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult task. <laughs> you know, it's a Herculean effort. Yeah, it so. is. It is. Well, um, are there any other like things that we might not know about FedEx or Amazon or Walmart about regarding their international trade? Are there things you'd like us to know? Yeah, um, I, uh, of the three companies, the one that I knew the most about internationally, of course, was FedEx. And 
Um, I think FedEx is very thoughtful about uh, understanding the customs and uh, work habits of different countries that they go into. They don't go into um, uh, Malaysia and expect everyone to act the way that you act when you come to a US-based headquarters. So I'm giving them very high marks on diversity and inclusion and understanding the operating environment uh, of other countries. Um, I, I think Walmart hasn't expanded internationally as much uh, Latin America and they've purchased companies in the UK. So I don't have a real feel for the yeah. international environment. And I think Amazon, um, you know, is now a, a, a an adult <laughs> company. <laughs> uh, um, but, um, but even when I was there in the logistics side, at least, mm. I think they were still feeling their way on what it means to be, uh, to operate internationally. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is, was a 90s thing or an aughts thing, but you, you hear so many stories about U.S. companies uh, expanding and acting like cowboys and not mm -hmm. really, uh, uh, res respecting, maybe that's not the, a fair word, but but absorbing, as you said. The appreciating, local, yeah. yeah. Appreciating the local skills and, and culture and uh yeah so that's that's a kudos for that so yeah yeah and so, and look i there are so many great things in other cultures that i wish we would be more open to in the u.s i i don't think that uh uh i've been as guilty as the next person of thinking well i'll just work 20 more hours this week and and the results will be fantastic yeah. um no why don't i take this bank holiday and refresh myself and work another five hours on this and the results will actually be better <laughs> i'm gonna tell my son that you said that since i was mother but I, that is so true that is yeah. so true. i get mad at friends that don't take their vacation yeah yeah like that's wrong that they is can, it actually wrong. helps your job you know it so, does yeah. yeah and um since we went to the same high school yes. uh i i i gave a uh, chapel talk at our oh, old right. high yeah. school and yeah. i i told people to go to bed at 11 o'clock and my niece goes to that school and she says that people are still quoting that speech saying, my homework's not done. I'm going to bed at 11 o'clock. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that is awesome advice. I remember that speech, too. That was great. Well, um, uh, gosh, not forever, but I would love if you had a few, uh, any other stories that you'd like to share with us. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear any of your stories from those 
experiences? Yeah, well, I, 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 I guess I have um, sort of a philosophical, not okay. really a specific story, but okay. that, that um, one thing that I did very much absorb and enjoy about my time at Amazon was uh, uh, that at that time, I'm not sure if it's true now, they really didn't think about quarterly earnings as the driver of their actions. They did think into the future. And, and I do think that a lot of decisions that U.S. corporations make this day about these days about where to procure goods, where to manufacture them, nearshoring, offshoring, mm -hmm. are all driven by the fact that they know they have to report out earnings in, you know, yeah. two and a half months. And I, I think it would be better for our planet and, uh, and creating a sustainable middle class for everyone yes. if, if those decisions weren't driven by such immediate right. concerns. But, oh, well, you know, that's, that's funny. One of my questions was, I mean, this is a smaller part of what you just said. What you just said is so important. I agree 100%. I was going to ask you, after we've been through this supply chain nightmare that is maybe getting better, but do you see more manufacturing coming back to the U.S., more local uh, supply chain? Yeah, I, 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 I see it, and I also hope for it, and not from jingoistic kind right. of motivations, right. but because... Um, I believe we are a country that is blessed with so many natural resources and skills right. that we should be supplying people in the U.S. with those kinds of jobs. Um, I, I also think that um, we have to get away from the thought that if you enter the first grade in the United States, you have to go to college, if not grad school. Right. There are some people who just are not suited for that. And so give them a living profession, a living wage. Right. Um, the example I always used at FedEx is there are people in France who are waiters and have been waiters for 35 years and they are well compensated, well trained exactly. and well thought of. Here come, uh, come your yeah. staff just came down the stairs by the way. Yeah. Oh yes, my staff, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast, right? <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> but I have to acknowledge their adorableness. Uh, her puppies, uh, three dogs and a husband. Just yeah, all adorable. All, all adorable. Ado all adorable. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you know, I've been saying, my husband, I've been saying for a long time, you know, we need more apprenticeships again. The, the old you know, 15th century apprenticeship, there's skills. <laughs> you know, there's some things that were right about the concept, and, and we need to bring yes. them back, um, yeah. really, to survive. So, 
You have so. been an amazing guest. You're so sweet to, to chat with me today. Oh, I'm you're so it. sweet to put up with <laughs> my, my, uh, my crazy schedule. So no, but, it's uh, fine. It's really fine. And, um, uh, I have adored you since seventh grade, Betsy, and I actually thought we would be giggling through this whole podcast. <laughs> I, I, I have to have, uh, here's one personal memory. Uh, tell me if this is right. Didn't we both work at in high school at the radio station? Yes. At, at, it's now Rose College. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I had the like, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. shift reading the news. You probably did better than that. I don't. I had like 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. reading the news. And then I would go, our friend Diane would come in at noon and she would read the news. And I would go downstairs and read the books to the blind. Oh, and, uh, I wish I'd known about that. That's that's very cool. Yeah, uh, but uh, I uh, I popped my peas. I think you were the first one to get that job, and I thought, how cool is that? Well, and it had I, to do with the boy. Of course, it had to do with the boy. So. Oh, it did. It have to do oh, with the boy. He was yeah. a DJ. He he went to MUS, and he was a DJ there, and so yeah, that's yeah. That's how most of my life story starts. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that was a good memory. So it was, right. it was. But uh, can I tell a memory? Oh, sure, sure. That uh, you, hey, you I and I, you and I, and I'm going to say it was Laurie and Debbie Hasty. Okay. Uh, if I can say her last name. Oh, sure. On air. I, I'm pretty sure we went to a Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert, and they had played like two songs, and your mother came to get us, <laughs> and we had to leave. <laughs> oh, that's got to be true. That's got to be true. I know she didn't appreciate rock music at all. Yes. I'm so sorry. It's oh, okay. So it's okay. You can yeah. see I'm over it, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see that. I don't remember that. Obviously, I wiped that from my memory because I probably was humiliated. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. So we got to hear two songs and then we left because we were, you know, too young to be out after 10 30 or whatever <laughs> oh my gosh oh i wish i could go back and do that again so yeah. anyway this was fun and really it yeah, really interesting discussion i thank you so much i'm just going to say to our listeners thank you for joining this conversation today um we would love to get more general discussions about exporting and international trade. So please reach out to me on exportstoriespodcast.com. That's where all of our current and past uh, podcast episodes are available. I'm going to be posting a little something about Penny on the episode page and you can, you know, ask questions or post comments there. So uh, we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. We're creating a community of exporters here. So please let your voice be heard. Thank you again, Penny, and thanks to all our listeners. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting. 